Sewer Ninjas is dedicated to solving your home sewer issues with the latest no-dig sewer repair technology to minimize cost and disruption. They can repair your sewer lateral line with minimal intrusion, saving you thousands. When you need help, turn to the drain and sewer experts for Milwaukee and the surrounding communities. Give Sewer Ninjas a call, 414-250-8605. Once again, that's 414-250-8605. Find out more at SewerNinjas.com. Coming up on this edition of the 414 Sports Podcast, Aaron Rodgers is contemplating life while sitting in the dark. The NBA All-Star Game has come and gone with a nice win for Team Giannis, but what with Giannis and that wrist? The Brewers have reported to training camp, but we've got more news off the field than on. College basketball is amping up the Daytona 500. All of that and maybe a little more coming up on this edition of the 414 Sports Podcast presented by Sewer Ninjas. Let's go. But instead, it's the 414 Sports Podcast, and it starts right now. Welcome in once again. This is the 414 Sports Podcast presented by Sewer Ninjas. Thanks for logging in and joining us. I'm Don Wachillis, and thank you for, again, whether you've done so on Spotify, Google, Apple, or any of the other five platforms that we currently reside on, taking a moment to check out what's happening in the area with regards to the sporting world. We're going to get into some football here in just a second. We've got the NBA All-Star weekend to recap some college basketball brewers spring maybe around the corner but unfortunately we got to talk about the business side before we deal with anything on the diamond and then we'll wrap things up talking about the Daytona 500 which took place yesterday and trust me that'll be short only because my knowledge of stock car racing is extremely minimal, and so we'll just kind of keep it at the basics and then move on from there. But let's get to our Green Bay Packers. And before we do so, because we know Aaron Rodgers is now somewhere overseas sitting in the dark in isolation, trying to contemplate and figure out what his world is going to be like moving forward, whether it will include football. We've got some football back up and running again. The XFL debuted uh, this past weekend, it was okay. It was it was okay to watch. It was a diversion uh, between some of the uh, late college basketball games that were taking place and the skills competition with regards to the NBA All Star Weekend. Here's here's the only thing I would say with regards to the XFL, and I know the USFL does this as well. Get the reporters off the sideline. Get them off the field in the midst of a touchdown celebration. It's awkward. It's annoying. It doesn't necessarily work. I know you're trying to implement some things to offset you from the NFL in doing some things maybe from a creative standpoint that will give you some footing as far as television viewership goes. 
but it was it was awkward at times on on Saturday watching that XFL game and Dean Blandini, Dan Blandini, whatever Blandini, the referee guy that shows up on Fox all the time to to let us know what the call should be or whether he would reverse it or do whatever is now the head of of refereeing in the XFL and we got a chance I guess to watch him and his element with all of the screens and the the one chance that I saw him do his job so to speak I thought he got the call wrong anyway so I you know the football needs to be obviously of a certain caliber for people to enjoy and I know in the midst of that you're trying out some different things and we'll see how it works out as as time progresses for the Green Bay Packers Aaron Rodgers Brian Gutekunst you, you have to figure the divorce is near that I, from all reports over the weekend that Brian Gutekunst is simply done with Aaron Rodgers and his antics and if he comes out of the darkness and the light shines upon him and he decides he's wanting to play football again, I think it's going to be in a different uniform. And for Packer fans, I think we're going to have to now kind of wrap our mind around that because the organization at 1265 Lombardi Avenue is going to have to figure out what they have in Jordan Love with that young team. You had to figure at some point that the organization under Brian Gutekinds wanted Jordan Love behind center with those two new receivers with that running back tandem in trying to have them grow together. It would have been nice that they would have gone through the bumps and pitfalls last season and what that would have meant going into this year. But we got Aaron Rodgers back and we got a, I don't know, what percentage of Aaron Rodgers we're starting to see from a player who's essentially in the twilight of his career. So I think bottom line is this, if Rodgers comes back, you're going to see him either in a Jets or Raider uniform, and either one I think will depend upon what they offer up the Green Bay Packers and what the Green Bay Packers can get in return, obviously, for Aaron Rodgers and trying to solidify some draft picks. Now, when we talk about draft picks, draft picks don't always have to be utilized in the draft, depending upon where they are. Those then can also be packaged and flipped and used to trade to bring other elements in to solidify whether we're talking the offensive or defensive line special teams regardless of which that those draft picks can be used in that frame as well but I think it's safe to say based on all the reporting that is going on out there that Aaron Rodgers time with the Green Bay Packers is slowly but surely creeping to an end again whether or not he plays. He may come out of the darkness and say, hey, it's time for me to retire. It's time for me to hang it up. It's time for me to go to Pebble Beach and play golf and and do all of these things that I want to do now that I've pocketed the type of money. However, knowing that going into next season, you're still in line to make $56, $60 million, depending on how the actual contract works out with where you end up playing. That's a lot of money to walk away from, and that's a lot of money that you could keep in your account if you play one more year to go sit in the darkness or go drink your tea in the middle of the wilderness or whatever it is that you want to do once you're done with football. So there's a part of me that believes that because of the money, Aaron Rodgers will be back next year, 
But there's a bigger part of me that believes that if he does come back, it's not going to be in a Packer uniform. It will be in a different colored jersey. Well, with the exception of the Jets, it's kind of a different shade of green. You get where I'm going with this, but you know it will be in the AFC that the Packers are not going to trade him within the NFC because they don't want the potential of running in. Though, it would be interesting if he goes to the Raiders because the Packers play in Vegas next season. That would be a storyline among storylines for the NFL going into the 2023 regular season. So with that, let's take a quick break. On the other side, let's recap the NBA All-Star Weekend, which took place. And the All-Star Weekend is the All-Star Weekend. It's got its ups, its downs, and everything else in between. We'll talk about it in just a moment. All right, let's get into the NBA, the All-Star game being held yesterday. Giannis's team beats Team LeBron 184 to 175. All kinds of uh, storylines on social media when Giannis took Dame uh, Lillard instead of Drew Holiday with his first pick. We had that playground kind of uh, thing going on with how the teams were chosen. Entertaining, guess, Different, yes. I still miss East versus West. I still miss those times when the West, if the Lakers won the championship the year before, the East kind of took it personally and wanted to get some sort of vendetta, shall we say, in winning it the next year. I kind of miss that element to it, but I'll give the NBA props at least. They're constantly trying to evolve and change things to make it interesting in a time when people's viewing habits are completely different than what they used to be with all of the streaming services and things that we can do online. The fact that the NBA tries to stay relevant, I give kudos to them. Obviously, we're all concerned here in the 414 about Giannis and that wrist heading to New York today to get another look from a specialist at it to make sure that he's okay because I think we all understand that the best player in the NBA right now is definitely needed on this Milwaukee Bucks team if they're going to make a championship run, so we'll keep an eye on that. But as I was going through various things uh, with regards to the NBA over this past week and, and listening to Adam Silver, the commissioner, and talking about some of the issues facing the league at this point, the one thing that constantly continues to arise is load management. And players taking off when the paying public wants to show up on a Wednesday night to watch their favorite team or a visiting team entering, for instance, Fiserv here in Milwaukee and the stars are all sitting out and you're paying a significant portion of your paycheck these days to go watch a game which isn't sitting well with the fan base. But I think it's a cautionary tale. What the NBA has done for things like even college basketball. And what's happened is what? 
we've now made the regular season somewhat meaningless. With the number of teams now that can get into the playoffs with the play-in game, which causes some teams to play maybe a little bit harder and their starters a little bit more than others, but we've rendered now the regular season almost useless. So you'll have players that will take games off because they know they need to be ready to roll once we get into April when we're talking about the NBA. College basketball is talking about expanding the tournament, expanding it so that 25% of Division I teams will have access to March Madness. What college basketball is going to have to be careful with is rendering the regular season useless. There are a number of people already that don't much care for regular season college basketball. And I think what we're seeing in the NBA, this cautionary tale with regards to load management, is something college basketball needs to kind of take a close look at if they think about expanding March Madness. How the NBA goes about fixing it, I don't know. Once you've opened the door and let the cat out of the bag, so to speak, I don't know how you get it back in. And I don't know how the NBA is going to turn this thing around because it's only going to increase with, A, the amount of revenue that is generated once you get to the playoffs, the extra checks, all of the things that the players enjoy by getting into playoff basketball is more significant than what we see in games in December, January, and February, which has the fan base in some instances not necessarily happy because, again, you go to pay to see stars that you want to see that roll into, for instance, here, the Pfizer Forum. You know, we get to see Golden State once. We get to see the Lakers once. And if those stars are sitting, that that that's a tough pill to swallow. So we'll see what happens with all of that and the fact that the NBA now will resume its second half of this season as the Bucks get ready. Hopefully, if Giannis is, God willing, doing all right, we make another championship run here. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side, let's talk some college basketball since we kind of melded it in there, and we'll do it in just a sec. Sewer Ninjas is dedicated to solving your home sewer issues with the latest no-dig sewer repair technology to minimize cost and disruption. They can repair your sewer lateral line with minimal intrusion, saving you thousands. When you need help, turn to the drain and sewer experts for Milwaukee and the surrounding communities. Give Sewer Ninjas a call, 414-250-8605. Once again, that's 414-250-8605. Find out more at SewerNinjas.com. Com. All right, let's talk some college basketball as we make our way towards the end of March, jumping into then the next month, as we all know, is March Madness. The regular season starting to wind down. We're seeing it already winding down at the Division Three level. Those conference tournaments are getting ready to start this upcoming week, and we'll get set for the national tournament, always figuring to get at least three, if not four, schools from the state of Wisconsin headed for the Division Three National Tournament. So that's something to keep an eye on as the conference tournaments evolve with the Division One programs. Their regular season just a week, maybe two, away from jumping into their 
conference tournaments then obviously leads to Selection Sunday and March Madness and all of the fun that evolves around that particular tournament. So here, locally, let's start with something positive and let's talk about the Marquette Golden Eagles. And let's do it from two perspectives. Number one, the women's team at Marquette with a nice win on Saturday over St. John's, absolutely dominating St. John's in the Big East, coming off of a huge win a little over a week ago against UConn. So the women's team at Marquette that was kind of sitting, you know, on the bubble when we talk about them getting an opportunity to go to the national tournament, starting to peak, starting to get a little bit of a role, starting to uh, knock on that door a little bit in hopes of trying to find their way into the NCAA tournament on the women's side. They're guaranteed an NIT berth, but would love to see uh, Coach Duffy and that team have the opportunity to get an NCAA berth as well. One team that is definitely in without any question, that's the Marquette Golden Eagle men's team. What Shaka Smart has now done in his second year, 21-6 and overall, 13-3 and in the Big East, sitting in first place in the Big East. I don't think you would find a pundit, a prognosticator, whatever term you want to use that would have put Marquette in first place at this time of the year. Now, they got a huge game tonight against Creighton on the road. I'm sorry, tomorrow night, not tonight, tomorrow night, Tuesday, they'll take on Creighton. Coming off a little bit of a rest after that one-point win at the five-serve forum against Xavier. So getting a little break down here at the tail end of the season, guys getting an opportunity to kind of get refreshed, healed from all the bumps and bruises that that take place within the Big East during the normalcy of the regular season. And then after that game against Creighton, they're at home against DePaul, on the road with Butler, and then back home against St. John's on March 4th. And that'll be the final game of what we will term the regular season for the Marquette Golden Eagles before they jump to the Big East tournament. Now, if they can stay in first place, that's a huge buy that they would receive going into the conference tournament. But right now, just about everyone, and that meaning whether we're talking the national media or local sees Marquette sitting at a number three. I love to go to HaslamMetrics.com. Eric Haslam does a great job there. They have Marquette sitting at three as well. Barring some sort of absolute demise here down the last few games for Marquette, they should end up with that three seed. And what an accomplishment for this program. Now, can we take that next step? Just can we get a win in the NCAA tournament? That team, this city, people who support Marquette have been waiting for quite a while for Marquette, A, to get back to the tournament, which they did, but B, then to win a game, if not two, maybe find your way to the Sweet 16, and oh, how this city would erupt. One team that I don't think has a chance that I would have thought had a much better chance back in December, and that's the Wisconsin Badgers. The Badgers lose again over the weekend. They have not won back-to-back games 
since the end of December, early January. I think it was like December 30th, January 3rd or 4th is the last time they won a back-to-back game. So after beating Michigan last week in, in what we would maybe call ugly fashion, where they didn't score a field goal for the last 1040-plus of the game but got some shots at the free throw line that helped them maintain that win over Juwan Howard and that Michigan squad got to the Cole Center on Saturday and lost to Rutgers 58-57. to it, It's the offense with the Badgers. The shooting has been horrendous this year. Um, and, and the fact that there's nobody there really that you can go to at any particular time. The nice thing about Marquette, Marquette's got three or four individuals on that team who have found times throughout this season the ability to step up when others have been struggling. That's not the same with Wisconsin. On Saturday, Stephen Kral, eight points. Tyler Wall, since that ankle injury, has been virtually non-existent. And Tyler Wall was the offense prior to that high ankle sprain. And whether it's a confidence factor or the fact that that thing just is not 100%, he has looked tentative since his return a few weeks ago. And on Saturday, had seven points. Went for 32 minutes, seven points, six rebounds. That's not Tyler Wall. This team is relying on Tyler Wall to give it much more. It just hasn't been there. Max Klesmet and uh, Jordan Davis the two in double figures, Max with 11, Jordan Davis with 14, Kamari McGee gave you nine, the UW-Green Bay transfer playing very well since he's been inserted, but that's it. You see Chucky Hepburn had six, 23 minutes, a little bit of foul trouble, which is why Kamari McGee saw significant time on the floor, but Chucky Hepburn has not been the Chucky Hepburn we saw as a freshman, this this team has just not necessarily lived up to uh, what the expectations were. And I think as it plays out, knowing that they're not going to necessarily skip that opening round of the Big Ten tournament, there's not going to be a bye this year. My hopes for, for Wisconsin is not great. And uh, – I just I don't think, even though going into Saturday, many had uh, Wisconsin at the 12th seed. I think after Saturday, they're back on the bubble and looking ahead against some of the teams that they have to close out against in the Big Ten. I, I just I don't think Wisconsin makes the tournament. The other team that we're keeping our fingers crossed, and that's the UWM Panthers, as they've been in the top half, if not the top, of the Horizon League throughout the season. Had a rough road trip. A tough loss against Youngstown last week. Then on Saturday, they dropped to uh, Robert Morris. The Colonials beat them by 20. And so now we're looking at a UWM Panther team that sits 18-10. and 10. They need another victory or two. And fortunately, they get to come home. They have home games Thursday and Saturday down at UWM Panther Arena, going to need at least one, if not two, to get some home cooking as far as the conference tournament goes. The championship will be played in Indianapolis, but depending upon record, 
those upper-level teams can get some home games before traveling to Indianapolis, and the road record for the Panthers has not been good. So getting a home game or two in the conference tournament is going to be vitally important because a team like UWM or any team in the Horizon League, you're going to need to win that conference tournament in order to make your uh, uh, ticket punched for the national tournament. And so the way UWM has played this season under Bart Lundy, what a turnaround that the Panthers have seen. But now we hope that the Panthers will be able to close it out and not necessarily see what we've seen at Marquette or now seeing at Wisconsin where the struggles have come late in the year and really have prevented them from having some sort or any sort of success once we talk about tournament play. So hopefully with the home cooking coming this week again, games Thursday night and Saturday down at Panther Arena for the UWM Panthers, we can see this ball club rebound a little bit and then get their legs underneath them and some positivity and some mojo going as they make their way into the Horizon League tournament. On the other side of this break, let's get into some Brewer baseball. Pitchers and catchers have reported. Unfortunately, here in the 414, we're talking about the business side of things before we even get a chance to enjoy the fact that spring is just around the corner. And we'll talk about it on the other side of this timeout. All right, we've hit that time of the year where we get to now start talking about baseball. Pitchers and catchers are intact. Everybody else kind of piles in here throughout the week. I think we get our first look at exhibition baseball next week, Saturday. So, again, we're heading towards spring. Uh, Coming out of that snowstorm the other day, it feels kind of nice to be talking about baseball. Unfortunately, here we need to talk about the business side of baseball before we can actually get to the stuff on the field. And there's two aspects I want to get to here on this Monday. The first headline in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel in the Sunday edition, will the Brewers be around essentially? Will the Brewers leave? Could the Brewers leave in 2030? This all stems from the fact that Governor Tony Evers has put out there that he would like to set aside $290 million for stadium upkeep at American Family Field. Now, we've got throughout the United States this very strange song and dance that goes on with pro athletics and local government, whether it be at the state or within a particular municipality like Milwaukee. There is this song and dance that takes place, and we go through this debate all of the time when things like this pop up. If there ever was a time for the state to want to assist in ensuring that we'll have baseball through the year 2043 to get that extension in place to keep uh, American Family Field updated, now is the time. The state currently sits with a $7 
billion dollar surplus. So to take $290 million and set it aside to maintain American Family Field within the realm of a $7 billion surplus is not the end of the world. And what I think the Brewers and the state government doesn't do well is let the public know why it's important. Guys, every time a team comes to Milwaukee, the Cubs, the Pirates, the Dodgers, who are who are just printing money as far as contracts goes, every time they play here in our city and in our state, we collect, we being the state of Wisconsin, collects income tax from those individuals. Now, stop and think over the course of an 162-game season, excuse me, 80-plus home games, and if you're fortunate enough to get to the playoffs, and all of those individuals who roll in into American Family Field, and the amount of income tax that is being sent to the state of Madison. It is why many business owners and governmental agencies fought hard to make sure the bucks would stick around because they projected what the income tax take would be for the state just based on an NBA franchise coming in. Imagine what it is for baseball. So can we stop with all of the, by 2030, the Brewers are going to leave? There is no way the state is going to want to see Major League Baseball leave. There is no way the city is going to want to see Major League Baseball leave. When a Major League team rolls into town and they book a floor or two at the Fister, and the amount of tax that is collected from their stay, the amount of tax that is collected from various people coming in from other parts of the country to watch a series. Have you been to a Cardinal series and seen all the red? They're not just driving up and driving home. Let's put it out there and be real about how it is that if we invest $290 million in the upkeep of American Family Field, what that's going to mean over the course, over the longevity of that investment as far as income tax and other taxes that are collected and how that then benefits our streets, our roads, our schools, you name it. That's how it needs to be projected. Can we stop with the threats of everybody going to run away and let's get down to the brass tacks of showing the people who are objecting to why it is important to have them stay, just from a monetary standpoint. That's number one. Number two, of course now the Brewers, for whatever reason, and I particularly don't understand why they felt the need to go to arbitration with Corbin Burns, but they did, and Corbin Burns lost his arbitration. It was the difference of $700,000. Corbin Burns is still going to make over $10 million this season. He was asking for 10.7. So it goes to arbitration. The problem with arbitration is you sit at that table, you put management and the player at that table, and things are said, and now Corbin Burns' feelings are hurt. He's a little disgruntled. 
he's he's not sure uh, what the relationship now is going to be between he and the front office. The Brewers are a bit to blame for this. Why, again, they felt the need to haggle over 700000 when you're talking about a $10 million contract. I'm not altogether sure what the reasoning was behind it, but they did it. But for Corbin Burns now to say, well, I'm a little disgruntled because, what, you're making $10 million? Come on, y'all. And already now we're starting to see potential trade destinations for Corbin Burns. And, of course, the Dodgers top the list because the Dodgers, as I said before, just print money. This is so not the way I want it to go into the baseball season. This has, this has the earmarks of what could be a catastrophe <laughs> moving forward. Like the vibe isn't good. You know, I was riding around the other day, and and I had 97.3 the game on, and I got to hear a spot for uh, Tim Allen uh, getting ready to start his show up and, and doing the Brewer post game on 97.3 the game and doing some preseason stuff. And he talks about it being the 2023 championship season. I love Tim Allen's optimism. But the vibe going into this season needs to change, and it needs to change quickly because from a business standpoint, it has already gotten things a little edgy before we've even put the glove on and started running sprints and hitting the fungo bat and everything else. So hopefully now as we make our way towards spring training, we can – kind of put this business component in the rearview mirror just a little bit. But let's understand, again, the importance of why and what baseball means to this city and this state. And let's figure out a way to throw down some olive branches between Corbin Burns and the Brewers because, Corbin, you're still making $10 million a year, and I have no idea what was said at the table in the midst of your arbitration hearing. But let's get over it. Let's get over it and let's see if we can't put this team, this season, as Tim Allen says, in a championship position. So baseball again, fired up, ready to roll. Uh, We'll be talking about it. Hopefully it'll be uh, in a much more positive fashion moving forward, but at least it's there. On the other side of this quick little break we'll wrap things up here on a monday this is the 414 sports podcast presented by sewer ninjas Let's wrap up this edition of the 414 Sports Podcast presented by Sewer Ninjas with the fact that Ricky Stenhouse Jr. wins the longest ever Daytona 500. And that's all I can give you. I know nothing about stock car racing, and I'll just read the headline and call it a day. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Have yourself a great week. We'll talk to you soon. I'm Don Wachillis. Take care. <laughs>